This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper and hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. And, of course, you can also find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow your boy on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For this episode, I thought this was going to be a short but I'm going to do an actual episode for this because we need to talk about the Lakers. Like, we need to really talk about the Lakers, who have lost three games in a row. They look like they've completely fallen apart since their in-season tournament win against the Indiana Pacers. Since then, they've only won three games out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Three out of 12 games. There is a real problem in Lakerland. They are under 500 now, 17 and 18 through 35 games. Six more games, and we're at the halfway point. This is a team that was in the top three odds to win the West this season coming in. Now, before I start getting into big takes about the Lakers, because as you can see the title of the video, it, I don't think they're a championship team. Now, I know if you've never been here before and you say, oh, what does a Clipper fan know about championships? You have no right to speak on us. Well, if you're new to the channel, I've been doing Laker Clipper post games since I started my channel four years ago because I've always watched uh, Laker games from an unbiased perspective. Uh, and I just report what I see. And so let's talk about the game against the Miami Heat. So the same Miami Heat that my Clippers smacked, 121-104, Lakers lost against. Now, talk about the matchups to start the game. They got Josh Richardson back in this game, but they still didn't have Jimmy Butler. They did not have Caleb Martin, the late, and they didn't have Haywood Highsmith. Uh, Lakers didn't have D'Angelo Russell, who's still out with that tailbone, which he got hurt against the Timberwolves on uh, when he was taking that charge at the end of the third quarter. Um, anyway... D'Angelo Russell is a big loss for this Laker team. I just want to say that right away. It doesn't seem like he is, but he truly is because they they really do lack shot creation and shooting. And he's actually shooting well from three this season. You know, this season he's shooting 38% from three. 39, actually. So they could really use that. They could really use that on games where very often they just don't hit shots on the outside. This game was interesting because, and also Rui Hachimura out with the calf injury. I thought it was interesting that Darvin Ham switched the starting lineup yet again and had Austin Reeves starting. So we've seen the original starting five to start the year, but because Jared Vanderbilt wasn't healthy, they had Torian Prince starting instead. Then they went with D'Lo goes to the, I'm sorry, Reeves goes to the bench. They have D'Lo, Reddish, LeBron, Prince, and AD. And now they've gone with both Reeves and D'Lo to the bench and do this whole all-wing thing with Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, LeBron, and AD. And now again, they switch to Reeves starting. So do you get my point with saying all that? Too much change. 
for a team that their only real additions were margin, like, you know, guys that are supposed to be 8th, ninth, 10th men on this team. They, uh, it's too much change. It's too much change. They need to figure something out. And that's on Darvin Ham to figure that out. Now, let's talk a little bit more in depth. Jaime Hawkes in this game taking the challenge of guarding LeBron. Fours up for my boy Jaime. Absolute UCLA legend. And then you had Bam Adebayo guarding AD. Fascinating matchup there. Two of the best bigs in the league. Two of the best defenders in the league. Both in drop coverage. Uh, AD in that high drop coverage to take away Tyler Hero's pull-up three. And then you had Tyler Hero guarding Austin Reeves. A nice little white boy matchup there. Two of the best white Americans that we have in the NBA today. I thought I was uh, pretty entertaining stuff there. And I think Tyler Hero is a better defender than Reeves. I do. I don't think Reeves is that good a defender, but I knew Tyler Hero didn't have a reputation for being a good defender, but he he showed me some stuff in this game. Now, for the Lakers side of things, of course, AD guarding Bam, Reddish on Hero, and Braun on Jovic. Now, I thought Cam Reddish was absolutely terrible in this game. Cam Reddish is a guy who is playing some of the best basketball of his career this season. He's been thrust into this role, and he has shown that he can defend point of attack better than a lot of guys in the Lakers. That being said, not many guys on this team can defend point of attack. Cam Reddish cannot go from being out of the rotation on teams to now being a starter on a team that has expectations to win the championship. That is too big of a leap for that type of player. I'm sorry. I like Cam Reddish. I want him to succeed in the NBA. This is too big of a job for him. He was non-existent. He was backing off too far in transition several times. He turned the ball over. He wasn't good. He had an offensive foul, like trying to set a screen. He had four turnovers. Let me tell you, he's playing 19 minutes and he's barely touching the ball and he has four turnovers. This was probably his worst game of the season. Zero points, one assist, four turnovers, 0 for 1 from the field. His only shot was an open left corner three and I didn't see anything defensively that made me say, you know what, Cam Reddish is doing something good today. And I'm not trying to make it seem like he's been like that the whole season. He has been pretty good. But again, he needs to be a backup on this Laker team. He cannot be a starter. And same with Torian Prince, who's got a... Now that I can see him play every single night, I can see who he is as a player. A very low IQ role player who is hit or miss from three. Overall, he's shooting well from three, and he has been shooting well lately. And in this game, he was absolute dog shit offensively. He's completely indecisive off the catch. Sometimes he, he has open space to attack a closeout, and he doesn't. He doesn't take any pull-ups to attack closeouts. He like will pass up open shots, and then he'll take contested threes. I, I, his basketball IQ is very shaky. Defensively, I actually thought he had a pretty good game. I thought his help defense was good. I thought his rotations were pretty good. I thought he was fairly physical. So, you know, I didn't get to watch this game live, right? That's why I'm doing this live tonight. And everybody was kind of acting like the Lakers quit. The Lakers were so, uh, like, disinterested. But I actually didn't think the effort level was that horrendous for the Lakers. I think there's a, some major problems, though, with this team that people are just putting every single last blame on Darvin Ham. Does Darvin Ham deserve blame? Absolutely he does. I mean, I said from the beginning, having a rookie head coach I don't care how long he's been an assistant. Having a rookie head coach take over the Lakers job with LeBron James is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for a rookie head coach. Year one, he passed the test with flying colors. He did a pretty good job. Year two, he looks kind of clueless. But here's the thing. And yeah, there was the hit piece out today between with Shams and Jovan Buha. 
uh, about the disconnect. But they said six members within the Lakers organization saying they're losing faith in Ham. So he's lost the locker room. So expect his job to be, you know, expect him to be relieved of his duties very soon. Do I think that's harsh? I think it definitely is a little bit harsh, but he needs to figure something out rotation-wise right now. Let me tell you what my recommendation would be. I'm going with the same starting lineup that you went with last year to um, get to the Western Conference Finals, but I would replace Austin Reeves and keep him on the bench with Cam Reddish. But what I would try to do is try to see if I can get somebody at the deadline that's a good enough role player even if it means giving up D'Lo, you might have to do it just to get a little bit more wing. Like a literal 3 and D guy would be great. Like someone like, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but a player in the archetype of like a Nicholas Batum or Dorian Finney-Smith. I've seen that name thrown around. That kind of guy. They need something like this desperately. One guy like OG Ananobi, like the Knicks got. One guy like that could make a huge difference with the Lakers right now. Because they don't have consistent three-point shooting. They don't have consistent scoring from their other guys. And then defensively, they're... You don't understand how much Anthony Davis bails this team out. So, for all the conversation about who's the best player on this team, every week we switch my our answers. Anthony Davis is clearly ahead of LeBron right now. And it's very obvious who's the most important player on this team right now. They... Can't even, they can't even afford to take him out in the second half of games right now. It was re- like ridiculous. Like How many minutes did he play in this game? 43. 43. This is Anthony Davis we're talking about, who is one of the biggest injury concerns in the NBA. He's been very healthy this year, and that's another issue. They've been healthy, LeBron and AD, and they're still under 500. And there's no easy games in the West unless you play San Antonio or Portland, and they're not even easy depending on the night. The Lakers... Cam Reddish isn't good enough to start. Torian Prince, as I said, his offense was dog shit. Just taking bad shots, missing open ones. He was 0 for 6 in this game, 0 for 5 from 3, and a donut. So you have two donuts in the starting lineup, Prince and Reddish. And then freaking Christian Wood missed a couple of layups, but I actually thought his impact was fairly positive. Um, Max Christie was 2 for 9 from 3, and the funny part is it feels like Max Christie was making more threes than other people. And that's how bad the Lakers shot from three that he went two for nine and it felt like he shot well. The Lakers, get a load of this. You're not going to win a game like this. They shot four for 30 from three, 13%. Miami, on the other hand, shot 16 for 42. And you already know that Eric Spolstra's play calling and, and his sets are going to be more creative than a Darvin Ham. They have Duncan Robinson running off so many screens, Tyler Hero. They have stuff going on on the weak side as this is happening. I mean, they have a very creative offense for the most part. And I like the pace that they were trying to play at. It was very clear that they were like, the Lakers are slow and old. We want to push the pace. And when you got old man Kyle Lowry pushing the pace and hitting transition threes, there was one time where he sunk in the defense, kicked it out to a trailing Jovic for three, who I thought was pretty good as well, knocking down shots. I haven't seen too much of him play yet, Nikola Jovic. But Lowry, I thought he played a pretty good game. And then defensively, he was scrappy, doing his charge-taking bullshit that he always does. But it was effective. Kyle Lowry in this game. 10 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, only 1 turnover on 3 for 6 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3, and 2 for 2 from the line in 26 minutes. Very solid game from Kyle Lowry. Now, the Lakers, besides the 3-point shooting that was dog shit and the Heat being 16 for 42 from 3, 38%, 
turnovers. This was one of the most egregious turnover games I've ever seen in my entire 19 years watching basketball. 21 turnovers by the third quarter. I think they may have ended with 21 turnovers, but no, they had 22 in the game and there was 22 points scored off of them. Careless passes, just no prioritization of ball protection. Guys, like the dribble handoff game was horrific. I don't know if it's Anthony Davis not doing a proper handoff and getting a little body contact in there. I don't know if it's Cam Reddish and Torian Prince just have terrible hands and are fumbling the handoff, but several mistakes on dribble handoffs. And then Austin Reeves' selection of passing, same, same with LeBron at times, was just hor- horrific. They trailed 25-18 after one. The Heat run a 15-2 run with all those turnovers to put them up 20-9. 10 turnovers in the first quarter for the Lakers. Now, second quarter, I thought the Lakers didn't get many calls in this game when they were around, when they were around the basket. They didn't. And that was unfortunate for them. But is that a reason why they lost? Not really. Not really. Christian Wood missed a couple of layups in that first half. And then we started to see the Miami Heat go to their signature zone. And there's no team in the NBA that plays more zone than the Miami Heat. They were playing some 2-3, a little bit of 3-2, just different variations of matchup zone. And you know what's funny? A lot of people were talking about the Lakers struggling against zones and how like, oh, they can't play out of a zone. I hear this criticism around the league a lot. And I actually made a video. It's a little choppy, but it's one of my best works. Is the NBA getting better and better? It was one of my original videos. It's a three-part video series, and I used crazy examples with video to prove my point about the way the game has changed. It's very raw. You know, the production quality is not the best on it, but there was real, you know, knowledgeable information in there that I used facts of and opinion and stories. And one of the things I talked about is why do teams struggle more with zones now, even though there's better shooters? Yeah, the Boston Celtics are a prime example. They have had trouble with zones for several seasons. Golden State was playing Miami, and they had trouble beating a zone. But you know what's funny? I actually thought the Lakers had better offense against the zone than a lot of teams I'm seeing lately, which ain't saying much. But the key is you just have to have a guy in the high post. You have to have a guy flash to the middle. Stu Lance and James Worthy said the same thing. And when AD flashed to the middle, they got good shots. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't consistent. It's not consistent. You need to, if you don't have a guy in the middle of a zone, then it's just going to become you passing the ball around the perimeter and hoping you can create something off the bounce. That's going to make your job harder. You have to have a guy on the wing being available for passes on either wing, somebody at the high post, and then one guy on the baseline. If you have two guys on the baseline, you still need to have a guy in the middle. And when you saw the Lakers go to those, uh, play against the zone in the 2020 bubble finals, LeBron was in that high post, but they had Rondo to control things at the top of the key. So they were okay with having LeBron, or Caruso, for example, and they were okay with having LeBron in that high post. In this game, they had LeBron as the controller, and I thought maybe they could have put Reeves as the controller and put LeBron in the high post, 
But they went with, you know, various guys in that high post. Wood, AD, and I thought they were getting some pretty good shots. I thought AD was really, really good in this game again. He continues to just be amazing. I mean, defensively everywhere, intercepting stuff. Uh, snuffing out pick and rolls in drop coverage. You know, he can guard two guys at once. He's just that good blocking shots, guarding Bam one-on-one, and then on offense, putting shots back up and in, using the zone. One of the weaknesses of zone is rebounding. You're not putting a body on a man, so you're just covering area. Sometimes a guy can swoop in and get rebounds, and AD was doing a great job of that. Um, He was finishing around the basket well, being aggressive when he needed to be. Now, at halftime, the Lakers were down by a score of 45-53. to 53. So they were still right in the game. And in the third quarter, they actually outscored the Heat 22-19. to 19. I thought their defensive intensity ramped up. And this is why I was surprised that the Laker fans were acting like the sky was falling. Because if you just take this game in a vacuum, it wasn't actually the worst performance in the world. They didn't quit or anything. It's just that there's not enough urgency for a team that's lost now three games in a row. There's just not. You need to be more urgent. You you can't be taking care of the ball so loosely or not taking care of the ball like that. And a guy that I haven't even spoken about in 18 minutes of this live so far that's not getting off the hook is LeBron. His defense was a joke, except for a couple minutes where he was running around trying to chase Duncan Robinson. No rotations. His transition defense was terrible. He wasn't communicating at times. People were saying he quit. And let me tell you this. I'm very quick to call out LeBron for quitting. He did not quit, in my opinion. His effort just wasn't that great, which is not a rare occurrence in, in, you know, the last how many regular seasons? Ten? Like, he has these kind of games sometimes. But what you saw was a shitstorm of bad defense and his shot wasn't falling. And he just didn't look like he had the legs to get to the rim. There was a time where he had Jovic on a switch and he just pulled up for three. That's bailing the defense out. I thought there would be a fourth quarter LeBron push. There was none of that. Instead, there was 11 points from Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson, he got hot coming off those screens. Hot. And this was in response to the Lakers cutting it down a three, 67-70. And AD had 24 points by the end of three quarters. And they were using that offensive rebounding thing to take advantage of the zone. And it looked like the Lakers could come back. They were down by two, 74-72. But Duncan Robinson had five straight points. And again, Torian Prince was just awful offensively. I thought Christian Wood actually was good in that zone. He was starting to finish. He was being aggressive. And one thing I've noticed about Christian Wood, he's a pretty good rebounder. Like, for example, in this game, 13 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block. He did turn the ball over two times. He was 5 for 10 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. It would have been really nice for him to hit one of those threes. But shot 50% from the field, 3 for 3 from the line in 24 minutes. So he wasn't bad at all. You saw Jalen hood Shafino play for 6 minutes. And there was nothing there, really. A donut, two rebounds on 0 for 4 shooting in six minutes. The Lakers are really shorthanded. I was surprised they went with uh, Huchifino. And it's got to sting right now seeing that Jaime Hawkes and Brandon Pajimski went right after him when they could have contributed right away, especially Hawkes. He'd be perfect for the Lakers. And how about the fourth quarter shot making of the Miami Heat? Some possessions, the Lakers are playing pretty good D, but Hawkes hit a turnaround over the left shoulder against LeBron in the right corner with a shimmy shake to boot. 
And then Duncan Robinson was hitting his shots. Bam hit some big shots contested. Lakers were switching like a motherfucker. Like, they were switching their 4-5 pick and rolls off-ball uh, actions. They were switching to 2-3. They were switching a lot. And nobody was necessarily getting abused. I don't think Reeves had a very good defensive game. But I think the offense was just a problem. They couldn't make shots. LeBron couldn't make shots. It's just not enough offense. Not enough effort. And defense is just too reliant on AD. 38-29 in the fourth for the Heat. They end up winning the game 110-96. to Story of the game for me for the Lakers, turnovers, number one. Turning the ball over 22 times at home, some of them unforced. Secondly, LeBron playing like dog shit. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists. That sounds okay, besides the 12 points. Two turnovers. He was a team worst minus 20. He was 6 for 18. Let me tell you something about LeBron. When he's inefficient, he's usually not good these days. Because back in the day, he used to be efficient and still positively affect the game. This game, 33% from the field, 0 for 6 from 3, and no free throw attempts. If there's any statistic that resembles the Lakers or LeBron not being good in this game, it's that he had 0 free throw attempts and the team had 24. So it's not like the Lakers didn't get the whistle the whole game. They were 22 for 24 from the line. Really good. The only missed free throws, one from AD and one from Reeves, and they made up the bulk of those free throw attempts. But the Miami Heat, they shot only 44% from the field. Lakers, 42%, but they shot 10 less shots. They did, however, shoot seven more free throws. But you know they're going to shoot less shots when they turn the ball over like that. Miami, though, they just find a way to get the most out of their team, even when they're injured. Uh, Eric Spolstra, he is the best coach that we have in the NBA today, for me. He really is. And he shows it constantly. Let's read the lines. For the Miami Heat. Josh Richardson came back and he had 21 minutes and I thought he was pretty effective. There was one time LeBron left him wide open for three. 10 points, four for seven from the field, two for three from deep. That's big time impact. Double digits off the bench, doing a little bit of everything. The Heat only went eight deep. Kevin Love got 28 minutes. And how about a double-double from old gray hair Kevin? 10 points, 14 boards, three assists and a steal and a block. He was a plus 11 off the bench. 10 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists on 4 for 7 shooting, 0 for 1 from 3. But get this weird statistic. Kevin Love, 2 for 6 from the foul line. That's weird. Then you had Kyle Lowry. I already mentioned his stat line. 10 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals on 50-40-100 splits. And then you had Nikola Jovic. 15 points, 8 rebounds. Very solid game for him to go along with an assist and a steal and zero turnovers. And one thing about the Heat, they took care of the ball in this game. They only turned the ball over 10 times. So not too much. 6 for 11 shooting and 3 for 5 from 3 for Jovic. So very efficient. And then you had Duncan Robinson who played 30 minutes, and he actually missed a ton of threes. 13 points for him, 11 of those coming in the fourth. He was 5 for 14 from the field, 3 for 12 from 3. 3 for 12 in 30 minutes. And then you had the rest of the starters, beginning with UCLA legend Jaime Jaquez, who had the best plus-minus of any player in the entire game with a plus 24. He had 16 points and 8 assists. You're starting to see Jaquez as a pick-and-roll ball handler at times which is impressive for me. And he shot 50% from the field, 7 for 14, and made two big corner threes, 2 for 6 from 3. Solid game for Jaime with 16 and 8. And then Tyler Hero. He's been playing the best season of his career so far. 21 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals. 
two turnovers, seven for 19 from the field, so not too efficient from the field. Four for eight from three, though. Three for three from the line in just 28 minutes. I'm surprised he didn't play too much. And then Bam Adebayo, 15 points, seven rebounds, five assists, three steals on five for 14 shooting, 0 for one from three, five for six from the foul line. Of course, Anthony Davis, he is going to make life tough. Then you have the Lakers. I already talked about Hood Shafino. Christian Wood, I said 13, 8, and 3 on 5 for 10 shooting. Vando, very quiet. Another game, you know, our boy Edwin, he says he's on an unofficial minutes restriction. 16 minutes. They could use some help defensively. 4 points, 2 rebounds on 2 for 3 shooting. No 3-point attempts, no free throw attempts in 16 minutes. Max Christie, 14 points, 5 rebounds. So you like to see him in double figures. 5 for 12 on the field, including a monster dunk baseline on Bam. Two for nine from three, though. So he was three for three from inside the arc. So that's some positive to take. And then the starters, besides the Donut Brothers, Cam Reddish and Prince. Let's start with Reeves. I thought he had a pretty good game, but he needs to do a better job taking care of the ball. And he's got to make more of his open threes. Twenty. It kind of sounds uh, fucked up, though, for me to criticize Reeves because he had 24 points, five rebounds, and eight assists, which is better than almost anyone on the team. Three turnovers, though, for Reeves. 7 for 12 from the field, 2 for 6 from 3, 8 for 9 from the line in 37 minutes. Then LeBron, I already mentioned his stat line. He was terrible in his 38 minutes. And then AD continues to be fantastic. 29 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, 5 blocks. But a team leading 5 turnovers. Needs to be better there. But 5 blocks, wow. 10 for 17 from the field. 0 for 1 from 3. And how about this? 9 for 10 from the foul line. Lakers lose it. 110 to 96 at the Staples Center. They are now 11 and 5 at home and under 500 on the year. So, yeah. It's tough for the Lakers right now. What do they need to do? Well, I think you got to solidify something lineup wise. You got to. I think Darvin Ham is a little in over his head. I think he may get fired. He probably is going to get fired. If he's lost the locker room, then, I mean, it's over. Again, though, this would be the fourth coach of the LeBron era with the Lakers. Like, how many passes are we going to give this guy? Like, he's the coach until he's not, right? I don't know. It's unacceptable for me. It's unacceptable. Not all their problems are because of a coach. Do they need to solidify the rotation? Yes. Yes, they have to have one of D'Lo or Reeves in the starting lineup. But if Vando's on a minutes restriction, their defense is going to suffer. They need him for defensive purposes. Them losing Shooter was major at the point of attack. Even Lonnie Walker was not bad at the point of attack defensively, and they lost them both. It's tough. It's tough. They might need a third star because LeBron and AD are not good enough as the top two guys. LeBron is not the same LeBron, and as great as AD is, he's not the same AD he was in 2020. He's just not. His jumper's not the same. He doesn't move the same way. Defensively, he's still pretty much just as good. But yeah, solidify a rotation. Hopefully get healthy. And then they just got to play harder. I know that's cliche, but you got to play harder with more pride. That starts with LeBron. But he really just was bad in this game. He's been good this season. And he is, he's in his 21st year. Guys got to make shots, though. And that's the t- part where I'm like, they just don't have very good shooters. They just don't. Like, they just need an upgrade. 
They're a fifth seed at best. If they write this ship, they're a fifth seed at best. And now here we go again with LeBron needs more help. LeBron needs a new coach. It's, it's, it's every time with, with this guy. Every time. But he gets no blame at all. I'm not saying he should have the most blame. I'm not even saying he should have the second most blame. But he should absolutely get some. By the way, so yeah, is Darvin Hemp in over his head? Probably. Is it all his fault? No. No. It's not. It's not. It's not his fault the Lakers are just missing shots. They're getting a bunch of good looks. They really are. But anyway, uh, on Thursday night, there was two good games. Bucks and Spurs. I didn't get to watch any of them, but I saw the highlights. Giannis and Wemby had some amazing highlights going at it. I'll definitely be doing a halfway check-in on every team uh, episode at some point through 41 games. Wemby's looking better every single day. And then Giannis, I mean, he's looking great. The Bucks. everyone's been so harsh on them because they're defensive woes without Drew Holiday. And they lost Grayson Allen, of course, too, but... They still have a great record. They still have a top five or six chance to win it all. And Giannis is playing arguably the best basketball of his career. So they're in the mix still. And then the Warriors game. I didn't watch it, but I saw Steph Curry's terrible turnover at the end. Them closing with Chris Paul, not Kamingo, which was causing a lot of, you know, Steve Kerr slander on Warriors Twitter as normal. And then that shot by Jokic. Of course, a little lucky when you bank it in, but it's not coincidence he's making it. I can tell you that. Amazing player. But I didn't watch the game, so I can't do that much in-depth analysis. But thank you so much for listening, guys, to this Laker Live. I wanted to get to the bottom of things. And I don't I don't want to go through footage because I got something else to do right now. But thank you so much. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening. And let me know what you think of the show. Peace. Have a great night.